Hello and welcome to another edition of the Campus Hunger Project podcast, where we examine the current issues college students are facing when it comes to food insecurity. I'm your host, Monica Sager. Today we have the First Lady of Pennsylvania joining us. Frances Donnelly Wolf has served as Pennsylvania's 45th First Lady since 2015. A New York native and rural traveler, Frances settled in York County, the hometown of her husband, Tom Wolf, after earning a Bachelor's of Arts degree in South Asian history from the University of London. Frances continued her art education and received a second Bachelor's of Arts degree in Studio Art and History of Art from Franklin and Marshall College, as well as a Master's of Art in History of Art from Bryn Mawr College. Her work is displayed in various public and private collections throughout the state. Ms. Wolf has long been active in community development, urban revitalization, and civic engagement efforts in central Pennsylvania. Throughout her time as First Lady, she has advocated for the equal treatment of women, including those in the criminal justice system, by championing the issue of equal pay and programs and policies that provide pathways to empowering opportunities and stability, supported students from pre-K to higher post-grad by emphasizing the importance of early childhood education, highlighting food insecurity challenges, and combating sexual assault on college campuses, and pushed for an increase in the state's minimum wage to help improve quality of life for all residents. In her efforts to uphold the work of the Wolf administration, First Lady Frances Wolf exudes leadership, integrity, and advocacy. Her engagement with Pennsylvania's communities and attention to their needs have driven her success in bringing voices to some of Pennsylvania's most vulnerable residents and supporting initiatives that promote educational opportunities, healthy family structures, and strong communities. Thank you so much for joining us, First Lady. I'm so excited to have you. Welcome. Thank you very, very much, Monica. It's a real treat to be here with you today. Really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks. Uh, can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? I know I like, just gave your intro, but why is the issue of food insecurity so important to you? You know, I've lived in different countries uh, around the world um, in growing up, and one of them was Pakistan. I lived with my family in Karachi, which at, the, at that time was the capital also had a chance to, uh, as a university student, travel through India. And these are wonderful countries. And, you know, we were welcomed and embraced and loved. It was just wonderful. But we were also introduced to seeing, you know, people who absolutely didn't have enough to eat. So that, it was just very sad. You, you knew that a, one good meal would go a very long way uh, with, with them. Those are images that stay with you. You don't forget those. You know, as I came into this work with Tom, came into, you know, looking at schools of, you know, elementary schools of free breakfasts and then free lunches. But when I started asking, well, what happens when, you know, the students graduate? Uh, what happens after 12th grade? Because they had all these wonderful programs, sort of public programs that helps uh, students all the way through 12th grade and to make them, you know, to have cafes and fun sort of restaurant type things at lunchtime. But when I asked what happens after 12th grade, it was like dead silence and there, there were no program. Even though the needs were the same, there wasn't a whole lot of attention. So, you, you know, you start thinking, you know, there's a gap here, you know, is this an opportunity? You know, we can come in and, and make a difference. 
that. The next is, is sort of part of my education uh, on this topic was attending with Tom. They have National Governors Association meetings. And this was one of the topics. And I remember sitting there after this overwhelming amount of information, you knew the problem was serious. And that really fleshed out the, the images that I had from my youth and gave some really strong substance to the school visits and seeing these wonderful children, but what they were going through. You know, on top of the physical part of supplying food was how do you save face amongst your, your, your colleagues and peers? Because through no fault of your own, you're in this, this kind of situation. I've tried to put all the pieces to make a, a, a fuller understanding so that when I go out as an advocate for programs such as yours, when I go out uh, as an advocate for the work that Tom and his team is doing, and for what other students around the state are doing, I want to be smart about it. They're learning. Uh, I have a lot to learn about this topic, but it has to be more than a, a hands-off topic. This is so elemental. It is so much like, you know, having clean air to breathe, the idea of having enough food to eat, to function. I know you mentioned schools a little bit, especially um, prior to 12th grade. And you were, prior to your role as First Lady of Pennsylvania, you volunteered at schools. Did you see food insecurity within them? You know, Monica, what's really interesting is I, I volunteered at our children's schools, and I spent a lot of time getting to know the teachers and a lot of the students. And I headed a, a literacy program uh, where students wrote books and talked about their experiences. And you knew that there were children for whom food was very special, to put it politely, that they, they weren't getting enough. But we never talked about it then. Just didn't have the language. I, I don't know. I, I didn't have it in my mind that this was a problem that was more than sporadic families, for example. Or, you know, maybe they were bad cooks or maybe, you know, what was presented the child didn't like or, you know, I mean, you, you make all these stories, but you knew there was something. But we never said words like food insecurity never didn't cross our lips. And so I, I don't think it was part of our, our consciousness, you know, uh, to give it a name, because when you give it a name, then you're, you're, you're defining it and you're giving it a form and, and your an understanding in a way. And we weren't at that point then. Looking towards the root though, uh, why do you think food insecurity is an issue in the first place? I think it's important to sort of step back a bit and think, you know, here is the world that we're in and how do we make the world that we're in the best world it can possibly be? So, you know, what are those markers that we say that together we've made a, a, a good space for people to thrive and to be the best that they can be. Well, one of them is having a safe roof over your head, good air, clean water, enough food, then you can get educated, you have a, a, a well-paying job. In order for all the other things to work, if you don't have enough food, you can't get that job, then you can't put a, a roof over your head. One of the, the, the most basic things to get on in this world, to function, 
to serve your own family and not only your own needs, but your own family is an adequate uh, supply of good and healthy, nutritious food. I know you touched on this a little bit already, but how is the issue then different for students on college campuses versus those in elementary, middle, and high schools? From preschool through 12th grade, there are state and federal programs that help all the students. We have free uh, breakfast and lunches. We have backpack programs. But once you graduate from high school, those programs don't exist anymore. And so you're on your own. But that doesn't mean that the need has changed in any way. And so you have to figure out, like, you know, how do I do this? You know, how do I put food on the table? Or what trade-off do I make? Do I compromise on those so I can prove the food or do I compromise on the food? It's even also through your work of tuition for college or for further education. What do you compromise? These are hard choices to make. And I think a lot of people are, you know, sort of juggling all these costs. And a lot of times food is the one that gets cut because they just can't afford it. I definitely appreciate you saying that. We've heard a lot of stories in the 40 episodes with students that really are speaking to that struggle. So I I think it's great that you definitely are recognizing that and working towards solving that. Yeah. In 2020, we saw state legislation introduced called the Hunger-Free Campus Bill that would allocate funds to public colleges and universities to implement basic needs programs on campuses. How do you think that this type of legislation could impact the Commonwealth if it was passed? Well, I think it would have a really positive impact um, on college hunger challenges in Pennsylvania. I think a a program, a legislation like that really recognizes uh, changing college demographics, uh, which is key to addressing hunger on college campuses. The current SNAP program rules were written a long, long time ago the student population is very different. You know, we have the traditional idea of a college student being 18 years old, leaving their parents home for the first time, and going to a four-year institution. Well, it turns out that half of college students in America are uh, financially independent. 22% of them have children. 14% of them are single parents. And then the other surprise is that the average age of a college student in the United States is 26 years old. The college population today is very different from what we had a generation or or so ago. Students come from single parent households. They come from low income uh, households. Many, many, many of them are first generation college students. And as I said earlier, that their parents themselves. I think that passing and implementing a basic needs program will help us address each of the various needs for all of these, I'm going to call them student groups. And it will uh, connect them with the resources that each of them separately, individually, to be successful in their education. What I like about this program, it has a sense of being nimble. It has a sense of addressing each student for that particular student's needs. This is vitally uh, important legislation. I think it would make a huge difference, a very important difference to 
the idea of uh, what it is to go to college. So then I must ask, what's on your agenda to address this issue in the future? I am looking forward to going to other colleges and universities within the state to have conversations just like this. Um, I applaud every single college that has a food pantry program. In going out to the colleges, it's, it's you know looking at current programs that each of the uh, institutions are supporting, and that's really important for the here and now. But the other idea is, what do we do for the future? One of the things I, I, I'd like to do is to get more eligible students into the SNAP program, and those are benefits that they deserve. For every one meal a food pantry can provide, uh, the SNAP program provides nine. It's, it makes a huge difference. It's really effective. We've made great strides in expanding the SNAP eligibility, and I'll continue to lend my voice to support these efforts and to break down the silence around these programs. In terms of expanding SNAP then, could the recent temporary expansions in the latest COVID relief bill from December help in any way? I think they're helping but I, I would love to see them expanded even further. There are still college students with this need, so we need to figure out ways to, to expand it you know, to all of them. Continuing with your line of work, I know that you signed an advocacy letter with some other First Ladies to encourage extending the program for anyone to receive a meal during the 2020-2021 school year. Can you tell us a little bit more about that process, why it was so important to you to do this, and really how it worked to do it all together? Many of the spouses attended, you know, different meetings at the National Governors Association meetings. Many of us had heard the same numbers, uh, statistics to do with hunger. And I think we all came away with, like, you know, this is something that needs to be changed. I mean, we're all involved with very different issues uh, in each of the states. But it was impressive that uh, this, this core group joined me or joined Pennsylvania in uh, appealing to the federal government to expand and the SNAP program. How can PA then be a model for other states when it comes to fighting food insecurity? I think we just need to continue to be doing what we're doing. Um, you know, to, to right from the very beginning, when Tom started, he, uh, uh, you know, sort of focused on uh, food security issues for the state. And, um, you know, he hasn't let up. Um, 2018, the Pennsylvania Department of Human Services expanded SNAP to community college students. And, and then we have been able to expand it further. In June of 2019, Tom signed the Fostering Independence Through Education Act, which provides tuition waivers of, of, of further education uh, for former foster youth. In July of 2019, Tom signed the Pennsylvania GI Bill, which allowed the state of Pennsylvania to offer 10 semesters of, of tuition-free education for family members of the National Guard uh, who commit to at least six years of service. This program is the first of its kind in the country. When I talk about uh, you know, family members of the National Guard, it could be the National Guard member themselves, but it could be their children, their spouses, you know, and a mixture. So it is a flexible program that those who need it can take advantage of it.
So even before COVID-19 hit us all, um, we have been working on this issue of uh, food security, and we still have lots more work to do to continue talking like this more, to continue going out, and you know, in a way also uh, to continue for me to continue to be educated because there's so many other nuances that I'm, I'm not getting, but also to educate so many other people um, who have who have the opportunity or the ability rather to step up and, and get involved. And this is a sort of a messaging program now to make sure that not only do we make people aware of what is, but uh, uh, make them aware of what they can do to, to change it. Along those lines, then, what role do you see students in Pennsylvania and across the rest of the nation taking to make an impact on this issue? I know that you know that this podcast is powered by Howl for Hunger. So how about like these student leaders as well? How can they make a difference? Just keep doing what you're doing. I, I think um, uh, we can't keep silent. We can't um, not talk about this. We just need to be open and transparent about what this issue is. I, I spoke with a very successful man. He heads Institute of Higher Education. And he said he was in food insecure when he was going to college. And what he did was get a job in a restaurant. And he said that was the only way I could eat on a, a consistent, regular. But, but he was open about it. But I don't think we've tackled, first of all, the stigma we're still using the word stigma to it. We can't do that anymore. This is beyond people eating ramen noodles for a week. There are students who are able to get jobs on campus and you think, well, then they can do it. But so many of them send their, their earnings back to their families. So they can't cover the costs of living on campus and, and those food tickets, and however else you know, they're arranged. The students who are involved in this kind of work proclaim it, proclaim the problem, but also extend the biggest, widest invitation to other, you know, classmates, um, uh, peers to get involved, to go out to uh, food sources, to go out to restaurants, uh, supermarkets, food pantries, you know, how can you get involved with all, all those? The students at university are smart people. They will also come up with programs that we haven't even thought about right now, that I haven't even imagined. And I think it's important to, to access th those talents uh, for this issue. Absolutely. And I think that leads me then to my final question for you, First Lady. Is there any final takeaway around food insecurity that you'd like to leave with our audience? Well, um, I just think uh, that we need, uh, again, you know, to reiterate that we need to, to be open, uh, uh, transparent about it. We need to be loud about it. We need to proclaim it. And then we need to get involved. And once we're involved, we need to be creative. We need to think about people who take advantage of food pantries, to think of them not just people of need, but people, people who have families, um, people who, if they have the opportunity to be well-nourished 
and uh, can get on with their studies, who can graduate, they just might be the physician who will turn around and save your life. Who knows? Assume that everyone is going to respond back in kind and do something that makes a difference in our own lives. And, um, but it starts with us and we've got to make that step. If we're in a position where we can do that, then let's do that. I greatly appreciate that mindset. Thank you very much for talking with us today. I appreciate everything you shared, your stories, the different works that you are doing, especially with how it exemplified all the different stories that we heard from all the students as well. So it really shows that the work that you, that um, your husband and that other policymakers are doing really are starting to take into account these stories and the real people involved in it. So thank you very much for talking with us. Monica, thank you. It's been a, a real privilege and I am honored that you were even curious about this. So uh, thank you. And thank you for the work that you're doing with Hala for Hunger. This is really, um, it, it's a, a fabulous program and, um, and I'm glad to finally meet you, but to finally meet a representative of that program as well, because you're making a difference and it means a lot. Thank you. <laughs> That's it for today. I'm Monica Sager, and this is the Campus Hunger Project podcast. Make sure to tune in next week for more episodes 